Hello everyone. Unfortunately, I have to start the show today with uh, the unfortunate news that uh, we recently received of uh, the passing of Anthony Bourdain and John Lemaire. I think that it's important to mention them because their legacy is in our memories and in the work they did. And I feel that each one of them contributed to their respective field um, to the fullest of their uh, capacity as uh, as humans, but also as industry professionals. As for Anthony Bourdain, he's someone that I never met. He's just simply someone that I had, uh, <clears throat> that I followed on uh, social media and didn't really watch his show that, that much. Occasionally I didn't, not because I didn't like it, but I just want, don't watch a whole lot of TV. But I liked uh, and enjoyed following him on social media because he was in, intelligent in the way that he uh, expressed his uh, views. Uh, he was articulate, and um, he did not shy away from having a comment on on social uh, issues. So the way he went about his show was it came from his very ethos, because his social commentaries were not much different than the way he went about his show. The show was about the culture, the people, the food, right? But the food lasts in the sense that all the other shows are about operations, creativities, techniques, startups. His show was about the people, the culture, the interactions, the passion to cook, the enjoyment of sharing a meal, and the bonds and the respect that goes along with the people that bring all those elements together. I believe that that is his uh, legacy. And we should honor and duplicate it every chance that we get. We also lost a leader of the uh, beverage community. And that was uh, John Lemaire. Um, John was someone that I knew briefly had met a few times, bump into him at different conventions, and um, re- really didn't know him that well. However, there are people that care for him very much, that I know much better, that I that I respect, and that I care for. And um, to them, I say I'm I'm sorry for your loss. John was another person that I feel was very direct. Um, I'm very open about, uh, I guess what he was thinking <laughs> if he was having a conversation with you. Um, but it, um, you know, I've seen a lot of the people, uh, post the pursue happiness, um, from sweet liberty, the, the neon sign. And, um, you know, thinking of that, I'm, I'm, I just think is like, you know, that's just the ethos of the Bohemian. And so, I guess, that's how we should uh, remember him. So, I'll leave you with this uh, quote from uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez. He's a uh, Colombian uh, novelist. What matters in life is not what happens to you, but what you remember and how you remember it. I will add to that who you remember, and who you remember it with. Hello everyone, I'm David Dacry, and welcome to the Open Bar Experience. He said, hey, let's let's open a bar. I'm like, yeah, great, let's open a bar. And 365 days later, uh, Grand Prize opened.
So, um, yeah. what's your name? The wheels on the bus go round. Test. <laughs> singing my kids' songs. Uh, uh, Brad Moore, proud Houstonian bar stuff. All right, all right. Um, so, what kind of bar stuff do you do? Uh, I'm part of a group. We have a bunch of partners and investors and stuff. But, uh, really great partners um, around town and in the inner loop mostly. Um, bars in downtown and Montrose and the Heights, which has kind of been my stomping grounds for 25 or 30 years. <laughs> um, we'll get to that in a minute. <laughs> right. uh, we also have, uh, no, I don't need to go into the details. I can name the bars if we well, want I, to eventually. But, you know. I, okay, I'm going to ask you about two bars. Okay. What was the first bar that you ever opened? The first bar that we did um, well it's called Pearl Bar in Washington it was in Washington they were literally not exaggerating they were hookers on bicycles like roaming the streets there mm-hmm. and we would get our uh, I got a lot of uh, metal stolen from us you know like robbing our air conditioners for um, copper. copper yes thank you that that metal in particular yeah that was that was the trip and uh you know, super amazing learning experience and just fearless, you know, reckless, not stupidity, but definitely, I don't know. I'm glad that I was naive enough to be fearless to get that done because it was um, a challenge. And I got very, very lucky and working with good people. Yeah, it was nuts because it was just outside, you know, in the heat and just lugging cases of beer because the inside wasn't ready we were just using the restrooms and uh yeah the inside was just an empty shell it was Mary Jane's and um oh. we ended up getting the investment to fix it up and then it turned into a little bit uh a little bit Delta Bravo over there a little bit too Bud Light and uh, that was kind of when I got out of it but I experienced a breakup with my partner in business and in uh living together so uh, we both moved on and uh, that was when we started Big Star which is you know way more proud of than yeah. what Pearl Bar ended up being and then Pearl Bar you sold that right yes yeah because I, I remember while it was still okay I got out I sold it to my ex-girlfriend at the time and then she ended up selling to yeah so it just and then went away peacefully yeah <laughs> and they got a little bit of money out of it, so. yeah <laughs> and Big Star is still around Big Star 10 years yeah decade so that, that's our oldest operating bar and yeah it's just um, ain't bragging but uh, yeah it's just I love the place so much it's just become a wonderful culture up there because the people who showed up and the people who work there the people who've been showing up and the new people it's just it's just been so very, what was the first very fortunate what was the first bar you ever uh, bartended at <laughs> <laughs> I came up uh, I got to Houston in the late 80s and I uh, got a job at a steakhouse on Fannin and McGowan so right there by Leon's Lounge and uh, uh, Mongoose First Cobra yeah and uh, the building's not there anymore okay uh, it was a steakhouse called Dan McCluskey's it still exists in Austin it was an Austin company uh, owned by a woman named Amy and then my next job was working for a woman from Austin named Amy who had an ice cream store but <laughs> oh really that. yeah I worked, that Amy, I worked at Amy's ice creams for oh, wow. six years uh, <laughs> anyway yeah so I uh, was an awful terrible waiter but I was trying and try, you know, learning to be loud and you know trying to turn on the charm so figuring out that I couldn't be the shy kid from South Carolina that I am and I yeah just stayed you know showed up on time and you know didn't do a great job waiting tables but just you know hung in there <laughs> eventually they asked me if I wanted to bartend and I ended up bartending and it was wonderful and I was trying to go to school and just you know kept picking up shifts and you know the immediate gratification of getting cash handed to you rather than 
having to write yeah. a term paper. Um, so yeah, I just end up in this business. Loved bartending. Love, still do. Miss it. Miss bartending. It's fantastic. So we, we so I was twenty, and we would uh, we'd go around the corner to Leon's Lounge, which existed back then. Yeah, uh, gamble on pool with the kitchen guys because all the kitchen guys <laughs> were fifth ward. It was not a Hispanic um, kitchen. It was um, it was all black, like fifth ward guys. Wonderful dudes. Still in touch with them via Facebook. Uh, and yeah, we gamble on pool and drink um, the twenty four ounce slip malt liquor bowls that they used to sell at Leon's. They called it the Master Cylinder. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And, and yeah. D- Chain smoke Marlboros, I reckon. This is what you guys were betting for? What's that? You were betting for oh, cigarettes and yeah. bed. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's cash. <laughs> <laughs> nice. But yeah, and then they would go to Club LaRue in the Fifth Ward, and I would go to Emos and Rutgers oh, and Lola's. <laughs> Emos. On my bicycle with no helmet and no lights. Yeah. Emos, Club Some. I, mean, I didn't do some. Some was too cool for me. Like, I. I, oh, that, I wanted, yeah. Yeah, I did some. I, I, yeah, no, I, I get it. Because I, I would cool. show up at that time. You know, I would hit emos every once in a while while some would open. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, right, right. I, yeah, I, or I'd rather I thought that I was too cool for some. I thought that was for the uh, the ecstasy kids, you know. And I, but, but tons of my friends went there, and it, it was fine. I just rarely ended up there. I was more of a, I was more of a you know, Lola's and Warren's yeah but I lived in uh, well it was Little Saigon back then now they call it Midtown yeah uh, <laughs> I lived there right behind my eyes and so uh, yeah and then so I'd walk from Fannin and McGowan or bike from Fannin and McGowan and uh, in the early days when I was under 21 uh, which really shaped my bar stuff was um, there was a gay bar called the Venture Inn on Maine so in between my house, which is by Mines, yeah. and Fannin and McGowan, on Main Street, right next door to where Antique Bar is now. Okay. There was this gay bar there, and um, just really great, and really shaped a lot of what I like to see in a bar. It was like really fun atmosphere, dark, and just, you know, the bartenders were nuts, you know. Saw a lot of penises. <laughs> uh, is that where but, riches ended up being? No, um, it's nothing now. It's boarded up, and I've Oh. really would like to get in there because that building was amazing it was just because it was you know it was dark bar ass bar but you know it did have a couple of beautiful chandeliers and it was just, just festive all the time and my roommate was gay and I was underage so you know it's perfect situation and we went there every night for a few years probably oh. and then I turned 21 and it was Lola's and Rudyard's and Emo's and Warren's Baccarat yeah because I remember <clears throat> those days the, the gay bars like Rich's was the one that I would go to uh, on Thursdays because yeah. it was always after work a group of people from waiters because I waited tables for most I found bartending in the 90s to be boring because I didn't, I didn't like I did restaurants right for one so I was doing the gimlets martinis Cape Cod's uh, and and vodka sodas and that was it yep. and it was the same thing over and over again and it just bored the shit out of me yep. <laughs> and so but you know bartenders are always the coolest and I know that kind of stuff was, so we just hang out with the waiters and we'd hit up different bars and Thursdays we would go to Rich's yeah, and I remember it was exactly what you say which was extremely festive yeah um, I mean everybody there was just going having a great time and they used to play gay porn and porn on all the screens. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just a fucking mindfuck. <laughs> because at that, I mean, at that time where, like, porn wasn't on your computer. It was before the internet, people. <laughs> all right? And so it's like, it was taboo. It was a huge taboo. And these places would just break every single taboo they yeah, could. Fearless, fearless. Right, fearless. Awesome. And it was just a good time. Once you got past that, all of a sudden you realized... People just most people just want to have a good time, and that was it. And and whatever that entailed for you, that's what you ended up getting. And right. so I, I th- yeah, those I can see where your bars have that because you're right. Is they normally dark, 
chandeliers. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Telling around there, adventure around. And, and it's, it's got to, uh, it's, it's got its edge, even though they're, they're very comfortable. Yeah. Um, and like to just set up an atmosphere. That's the other thing about the gay bars, or just any of the underground bars I've been. It was like, because I was in the steakhouse listening to this terrible soundtrack of music, like, uh, I don't know. Anyway, like bad jazz, and you know, and then realizing that you could go to a place and you know, listen to punk rock and you know, gangster albums, fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> like oh, you don't have to adhere to this. And I don't think that you know, many restaurants these days even uh, embrace that the fact that you can, you know, and and the thing like, is, whatever. Yeah. Well, I I feel like the uh, just do is acceptable dinner time music. Yeah, I think customers these days are open to it. Yeah, right. And that the first place I saw that was at uh, oh my goodness, I'm not gonna be able to remember the name of it. Uh, in San Francisco, it was a very nice restaurant, but you know the the, the bartenders are wearing you know Motley Crue shirts, and the soundtrack was Black Sabbath, and, and I was like eating. Forty dollar chicken hearts or whatever, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, yes!" This is years ago, so you know, it was before. Yeah, that seemed to be acceptable. It wasn't just oh, well. sushi bar music. Anyway, so yes, I did the the, the waiter. We lived in the, the place I lived behind my. It was two bedroom, one bathroom. And like six or seven of us lived there, and then all waiters. And we just had a rack of white shirts by the door, mm-hmm. <laughs> and you know, the black clip on bow ties. And, so. Second thing, what's uh, as I, I was going to ask you about two bars, yeah, all right, uh, grand prize. How did that come about? Because it seems that a lot of people that have done very well in the industry started there, or yeah. at least yeah. worked there at sure. a certain point, yeah, where it shaped the way. In some ways, I think kind of shaped the part of the cocktail scene that I really enjoy in Houston. Um, so, how did that come about? That was that's I love this. Um, that was uh, Ryan Ralphs. Uh, I would go see him when he was at Beavers because Bobby Hugel had trained him at Beavers, uh, and him and Claire Sprouse, you know, two of my closest friends, uh, worked there at Beavers. So we would go see all of, all of my crew would go see those guys at Beavers, mostly Sunday brunch, and then they would come to Big Star. You know, every night pretty much. So uh, Ryan and I started hanging out a lot, and um, and I would throw him behind the bar occasionally at Big Star. It's hilarious. And uh, and we went to Tales of the Cocktail. This is eight years ago now, maybe. Uh, and he asked me at Tales. We were you know hanging out as a blast. It was super great. And um, he said, "Hey, let's let's open a bar." I was like, yeah, great. Let's open a bar. And 365 days later, uh, Grand Prize opened to the day. Really? One year. Yeah. <laughs> it was fantastic. He wanted, we wanted, but uh, he was like, let's, uh, you know, he's like, I want good cocktails, but I want it to feel like Big Star. I was like, okay, great. But let's, let's do exactly that. And uh, yeah, so just from the very out. beginning, it was it, that's what it was. Yeah, to be. yeah. It was like we want you to be able to get a good. We want to hang out at a place where we want to hang out. You know, so uh, yeah, because you know, Big Star didn't have cocktails, and they were lacking. I mean, uh, Beavers was lacking in something. I mean, Beavers is a terrific place to hang out, and I yeah, but sad it, to see it, it go, and it's back and whatever. But uh, but yeah, as far as just a fun nighttime bar is what we, what we had luckily because of the bartenders um, at Big Star and then yeah Ryan was like let's do that with really well made cocktails and we ended up, we, we found in the Ernie's which is formerly Ernie's we found a frozen machine was just old beat up thing old shaky you called it because it would just rattle but uh, so I was like okay we have a frozen machine so Ryan said well you know, we're not gonna do margaritas or red frozen daiquiris or yeah, he's like, let's do cocktail, you know. It's like so we did the I think the first one was the aviation and just destroyed people. We had to back down off that recipe. <laughs> just, 
<laughs> really? <laughs> so much booze. So, uh, but anyway, yeah. So that was that was you know. Well, that goes around. Was like, yes, let's do, let's put cocktails. So that's when we started doing. Not that we were the first, but I don't know, we had never heard of it before. But uh, well, at least you know, in Houston, doing Harvey, Harvey Wallbangers and all that stuff. At and, least in Houston, you, know, you were the first. And yeah, or whatever. Right. I don't. Not interested but, but in, it was in just those. Fun to, oh well, sure. I mean, I'll take all the credit. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you know, what I mean is that just we're doing fun stuff that that we wanted to do and felt like we could do it and felt like we could get away with it. And yeah, it was great. And nice. Still running. Yeah, and great people work there and have worked there. You know, we've been lucky to have people that. I mean, goodness, and just you know, just a bunch of freaking all stars. Yeah. So. Yeah. So you mentioned to um, tells, and my recollection is that the first time we met officially was at tells. Really? Okay. About four <laughs> years ago, I think it was 2014. Where, because so you and I have known. Because yeah, I've known you or seen you and known about you for yeah for. A decade or something. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, yeah. Maybe not that long. at but, least. Yeah, I, think because, I, I want to know like where the places you worked. I mean, maybe that's not for those conversations. But if you'd like to talk about yourself, I'd love to fucking hear it. In, in, <laughs> in a minute. Okay, okay, okay. But first, here's my recollection of you because whenever back 2000, 99, 2000, right around there, that I was working at Texas Art Supply and I would hit up Ruggers every once in a while. Like, that's my recollection of you around that time. And then art shows. And then, like any opening, um, uh, what's the one that happens a Saturday before Thanksgiving? Um, art crawl. Yeah, sure. And so, and so it was this thing to where you know eventually I know that we were not at each other. Hey, what's up? It's, it's, it's and and it would just kept going. Eventually, like all of a sudden, I'm like, so like I know this guy from the art world, and now he's at Tells, and we started talking, and finally you were like, well, I don't think I know you. <laughs> And then that's that's how we officially met. But it's, that's, that's it's strange because I keeps because in my mind I've I've followed. I mean, it's sort of like you know I get where you're coming from because I because you you are in my mind you're embedded into a lot of the things that I know about Houston because it's the all interloop Montrose area art scene and so all these changes that happen after with the cocktail scene and everything to me it was stemming from those things that you talked about, which was this these places that were there that were really celebratory because I don't know for its sake or maybe it was for celebratory for its own sake but there was a, it was for everyone and it was a feeling that didn't matter if it was a Tuesday or a Saturday these places were there to make, make you feel that way and <laughs> I think that eventually like when, they, when the cocktail renaissance came and everybody started taking themselves so seriously myself included because you're trying to do this thing that, you know, in such a way that is so much more difficult than your rum and coke, right? <laughs> in, in, in execution, <clears throat> that, you know, we, we took ourselves too seriously and now we've gone back into, okay, let's just relax. And I think that, again, going back to um, Grand Prize, that uh, they, 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 you did that very early in that, yeah, we got cocktails and this for I don't know if you like the term or not it's a dive bar sure, sure. but it's but it's it's a true dive bar that seems like anybody from outside of Houston that comes to visit that's one of the places that I want to take them to and that's one of the places I see that a lot of people take them to like all the brand ambassadors or the right, bartenders right. from other cities like that's one of the places like it's like yeah there's these other places, but you got to go see Grand Prize. Flattering. <laughs> <laughs> <It's laughs> I but, hope people feel that way. But <laughs> it, 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 and it's true. And, and you, I've, I've sat many times and look at the back bar, and it's like, holy shit! Look at that rum collection. Look at that, that all those gins. Look at like you just. Yeah. This is a real bar. Like to me, it's it's a real bar because it's at, it got depth, and you probably sell more Lone Star than anything else. <laughs> probably still. Yeah. yeah, and so it's there's I I love that. Um, <laughs> Incongruity, I guess, in what yeah. people think a cocktail bar should be and what people think a dive bar is. Right, right. Well, and, and neither has to be either is the point. And it it's a bar. Be, it doesn't have to be bad music. It can be good music and fun people. Yeah. But, and like I said, yeah, it did come out of what, yeah, because we knew each other without knowing each other because we were doing 
what what I consider the good important things in Houston. It's like participating in those things, not just hiding in an apartment complex outside the loop playing video games. You know. No offense. If you like a good cock, though, I can still make you one. That's <laughs> fine. Participating in you know what's going on in the city, and I you know feel lucky enough to yeah lived in Montrose for a super long time in the Heights and um, I don't know where I'm going with that well I, I, I no and I, and I know that I lived outside the loop and it was there was never I guess that was part of like there was never anything anything interesting for me once I moved inside the loop like life changed <clears throat> in, in, in a lot of ways because I remember living in a garage apartment um, I paid 450 a month <laughs> it was the owners had a business here and in Austin so they left often and I had the grounds all to myself and they were like just you know pay rent whenever we get back type of thing and you know I was working three four days at Texas Art Supply this is actually after I left a steakhouse and was making in one two days my rent and the rest of the time I was fucking off <laughs> um, but it was and then I walked to a lot of places or biked because that's how everything is, is pretty dense. This is the densest area, I think, in, in Houston sure. at the time for doing cool and fun things. And so totally changed the way that I, I did things, right? And it was a lot of fun. And after that, I mean, it's been difficult for me to live anywhere else. I lived in, in Montrose area for 10, 12 years. And now I've been east side, which is kind of developing to be... It has yeah. been similar. Yeah, east side is... Yeah. And I hope it doesn't turn into the heights... <laughs> it's a bite was a decade ago. Yeah, exactly. And so, but because I think one of the main things I really like about the East End that they have pushed is all the uh, the murals. Mm-hmm. So sure. the, the public art has been really, really strong. And so now you have a bar here in the East End. Mm-hmm. That, what's the name of it? That's Little Danny Speedo's Go Fly a Kite Lounge. And it's, <laughs> it's wonderful, such a great... The little building over here. I love this neighborhood so much. And, um, yeah. And how how did that name come great. about? Oh my goodness. Just, that was, I think it was a Tales of the Cocktail. It was Yale, you know, Yale, Vendroff, and uh, my hero. <laughs> and uh, Ryan Rouse, and I think Claire Sprouse. Um, we were just coming up with the dumbest names that we could think of for bars. And that was one of them. And, you know, said at some point, you know, don't dare me, I will use one of these names, and uh, I don't know if anyone dared me or not, but we, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> the partners, uh, Camilla and Roy were into it, and it's just, it's just a fun name. Stupid doesn't mean anything, except that impor- important people in my life were part of that conversation. So, Very cool. cool. I was going to, uh, on the interloop, and I, I, I was in the dorms, I lived in the dorms at U of H when I first got here, and a friend of mine, Rick, who kind of showed me around the city because he was the guy in the dorms that had the car and he was from Houston. So, um, and he took me to Lola's and I just said, I said, where are we? You know, what neighborhood are we in? Because this is where I, this is, this is my people. And I, yeah, I still keep up with all those people from college, kind of, but I, I, I found my mantras and in Lola's? moved quick. Yeah, I, I, I moved. <laughs> I was like, I was like, all right, nope, not hanging out at in the dorms at U of H anymore. Yeah, Lola's not my neighborhood. Yeah, <laughs> it was. A, it was. It was. So, I'm gonna tell you mine. Yeah, hit me. The first time, actually, now now I realize that wasn't the first. Whenever that garage apartment, that wasn't my first time in Montrose. Now I think about it, going way back about six years before that, I ans- I was looking for an apartment on the paper. On the newspaper, that's how we used to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was two seventy five a month, and it was on Pacific, nice. and right behind uh, Numbers. Mm. Okay, so I didn't have a clue what this neighborhood was. <laughs> I was like twenty, twenty two years old, and I go check it out, and I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And I go during the day, during the week, so like the streets are quiet, <laughs> everything is is nice and pristine, and. The next thing I know, I'm walking, I'm using the bus, so I'm walking to my, to Westheimer, right there, uh, you know, by uh, numbers, to catch the bus. The 82. The 82, <laughs> yeah. And 
I would always get these older guys in Mercedes and BMWs <laughs> asking me if I needed a ride. And I'm like, no, no, no that's fine. You know, I just live right around <laughs> the corner. So <laughs> these people are so nice. <laughs> And finally, like, you know, one night I really pay attention and there's like all these male prostitutes <laughs> up and down the street, like those the, around the corner, like that same block that I live on. Oh, yeah. And it just clicked <laughs> all at once. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, that was my first time in Montrose. I lived there for about a year, I, I want right. to say. But it was... It Sadly, was, that Montrose has gone away or going away. Yeah. Oh, whatever. We won't lament that. We Looking won't towards the it. future. Towards yeah. The future. Well, I mean, Michelangelo's is no longer there. Not even right, the building. Right. So, so yeah. Yeah, they were trying to sell it. So that was a, that's a big change for me. Um, yeah, that's like I live in the Heights now, and the barometer is kind of you know if the Shiloh is still there, then we're okay. <laughs> but it, when that goes, like the neighborhood, that's yeah. the end. Yeah, that's the end of it. Uh, well, Michelangelo's. <laughs> Stay, <laughs> Please, uh, Michelangelo's was the first nice restaurant to open in Montrose. Oh, was it? Yeah, uh, I, that was, I think it was like in the seventies or something. Like, yeah, <laughs> so cool, the, man. yeah, yeah. Did that tr- man actually? Now it made me think about that tree because I've spent many uh, birthdays there. Uh, I've been there a few times, but yeah. oh, goodness. So, what's your favorite bar to go to? <laughs> Poison Girl. Really? Yeah. And I, um, yeah, that's my, that's my. Why? I don't know. It, it feels right to me. Uh, Why? I love the patio. I love, uh, you know, it's, it's spoiled because I know the staff. I used to work there. Um, it just, it, I, yeah, that's my spot. Um, however, I'm, you know, I don't go there in rage like, we used to, but um, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I like going to Grand Prize. Um, <laughs> you know, in some ways, and I've had this discussion a couple months ago with some people who used to live in Houston, and it's like, in some ways, Redyards might be like the best kind of Houston bar experience um, because. It's like if you had to, if someone had a two hour layover in Houston, you had to tell them to go to one place. It's like Rudyard's has you know great atmosphere, good food, you know good music played by the bartenders, so it's not programmed, so you don't know what you're going to get. There's fifty year old fat dart players talking about guns there, and there's twenty two year old you know cool kids forming a band. Yeah, and and everything in between, and uh, so I think Rudyard's is a super important place and and fun. You know, great to go and at you know during the day, and drink Jaeger shots with the Jaeger knots. <laughs> you know, anyway, uh, you know, or you know, obviously it's a music venue, so you know, nighttime, you I get nuts, or you can just go chill and have a pint, or you can you know go get naughty. You know, yeah, that's true. Bad. So yeah, I got a lot of props for Rudyard's, um, and it spawned, you know, the amount of bars that are opened by the bartenders from Rudyard's is double digits. Really? Yeah, because that's I worked there. Scott from Poison Girl Antidote, Little Dipper, Black Hole worked there. Uh, Mike Bell from Next Door. Um, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Oh, there, there's there's multiple. Oh, well, Mary Jane's was was uh, you know so so two locations of forty two sixteen Washington. <laughs> Mary Jane's and Pearl Bar were both um, opened by Rudyard's bartenders. Okay. Um, the thing I loved about and the knowledge you made me think about it is like that was the bar experience in Houston for a long time. Going in, <clears throat> drinking beer, playing darts. Because, um, at least for me, I mean, I went to Richmond Arms. Mm-hmm. used to go to the L House. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, Rudyard's. L House, um, really? <laughs> remember the L House? Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, because the owners are the same people that I had worked for at the uh, Houston Brewery. 
Oh, right, right. And if you remember that, that. The Holiday or? The Holiday, yeah. yeah Michael yeah. Holiday and uh, Sean yeah. Wines. Okay. Oh, right, right, right. Those, those guys, if to me, when it comes to Houston restaurateurs, probably one of the classiest people I've known to I don't know own, to own a, a, a place. They never really got involved. They never addressed the staff, you know, other than, like, being cordial. I mean, like, they didn't ever tell you what to do. They would just talk to the GM. They were always really cool. Even if you fucked up, they wouldn't do nothing. They wouldn't react. They would just kind of talk to the GM. You get, you get mm-hmm. talked to however severe your fuck-up was. If you did a good job, they would tell you. Um, but there were always, like, even keel, really cool people that I think knew how to run a place in the bigger picture. They always had that big picture. And Sean Wimes is the one that I probably bumped into the most. Like, when I uh, was at the Grove mm-hmm. opening, so he knows, um, God, no, I, I forgot, um, uh, Schiller, uh, uh, and Del Grande, the ones that own right, Randy. Right. And uh, so I bumped into him there. Before that, I was at, I can't remember what other restaurant, and I bumped into him here. He's always been the same person. Because there are certain people that feel like after, I don't know, status or whatever in the fuck it is, like they just don't have to say it. Like they, they're no longer, like you've had a relationship with them and then time has passed or their status changes or whatever and all of a sudden they become a different person. And he's always been the same person. And I, and I respect that a lot. And so, and it's always, he, we always go back to the same, like ah, Houston Brewery and we have really good memories about that. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, he always shares what he's been up to, and which is, you know, it's it's something that I respect a lot. Again, because he's always been that same person. I only recently met him, and I don't know Holiday. I've never met those guys. Really, I, I met Sean recently. He's moving to Mexico, right? Uh, Holiday or uh, Wimes? Wimes. Wimes. He had a, this is a project. He oh yeah yeah he's he's had a place there forever. Right? Like I think a decade. He's, I think he's moving there full time. Oh really? Okay, because I haven't seen him. Like I said, I bump into him like every yeah. seven years. Talking <laughs> passing along information. <laughs> but, anyway. Anyway, no, but yeah, he had, had a big I project. Guys, because they, because that ties into Redyards also because they, like they owned Redyards at one point or they started it because it started on Kipling. That's why it's called Redyards. Um, on Shepherd and Kipling, and then um, and then it moved to where TK Bitterman's is. I used to be right here, so. oh. and then they moved to the Wild Drive. Yeah. Where Bitterman's is, to, yeah, that, that was. Uh, and Wimes owns that building. Yeah. Okay. Currently for lease. Wow, you bringing back a lot of memories. Yeah. Bitterman's is another place. <laughs> like old, 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 old. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's another place I played. I played darts myself. <laughs> um. So, okay, I did a little, did a little research. All right. Um, read one of the article where uh, you were talking about freedom, mm-hmm. like what it is, like what is it, <laughs> like what is freedom for you? <laughs> for me, yeah, uh, important. Um, just feeling. I, I used to think that I think I said in that article that I, I felt. I used to think that freedom was, you know, working a bunch of shifts, saving some money, and then going traveling, going nuts or whatever. And uh, and so, but then I realized, or have come to my own definition of it, like being able to, I don't know, always working, never working. Uh, you know, the freedom is to be able to, especially with the the. The advent of the smartphone, <laughs> being able to work from wherever, uh, yeah, because you know we travel often, and that's the freedom for me, being able to work, you know, remotely, and uh, and just yeah, just feeling, you know, whether we're free or not, <laughs> telling myself, that, but yeah, being able to, uh, you know, not have shift work, which I loved and I miss, I miss bartending a lot but it's it's also fun just to be able to you know travel a lot and be you know a child at home and you know awesome family and so you know being able to do that you know being working from home or you know and having uh, meetings which is hilarious because a lot of my business partners do not like meetings and 
and I love meetings. It's <laughs> great because anybody says, yeah, okay, we're going to have to have a meeting. I'm like, cool, what restaurant are we going to? You know, where, where do we get to eat? <laughs> you know, so, so uh, yeah, the freedom to set up my own schedule and uh, you know, be able to be able with family. You know, nice. That's, yeah, I feel, yeah, and then there's, you know, stress levels that outweigh the hours that I work, if that makes sense. Anyway, uh, yeah, freedom, I think it's important to feel it, whatever your definition of it is. So, what are your uh, guilty pleasures? <laughs> Meaning, like, what, uh, what am I embarrassed that I like? <laughs> Television. Uh, <laughs> let's start with yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> things that you indulge in that you feel guilty about. Carpenter's like... music. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's, hmm. Okay, what's the Yeah, maybe we'll circle back to that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind. Uh, what are the things that you like to, to spend money? Because in this article, you were saying, like, I'd rather. I'd rather go out to eat and drink than have oh, fancy goodness. clothes or, you know, expensive Yeah, goodness, cars. yeah. I mean, and I think that's interesting to... Well, I have fancy clothes. They just come from Goodwill. <laughs> <laughs> or Metropolis, basically. <laughs> Let them curate. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, very much so. And uh, into experiences, not things. And now that sounds trite these days. Cause, but it's all that, yeah, my budget for uh, food and beverage is way higher than my car payment. But, I mean, I don't have a car payment. <laughs> my truck is 12 years old. My truck is not old enough to be cool and not near enough to be good. I love your truck. <laughs> I love your mighty Ford. But uh, just, uh, yes. Uh, well, we, we spend, you know, family spends our dollars on really good food and lots of traveling and as much as we can get away with and yeah know, and, and, and the balance of you know working hard while maintaining that I think that it's uh, it's interesting that you say that it's not trite in these times because the whole notion of the experience being more important than the the, the product I, I don't know the physical well, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you well because people like me and you and the people that we knew, mutual friends that we knew before we knew each other, like that's kind of the way we've always lived, right? Anyway, so continue. I just wanted to give you that compliment before we went on. Go ahead. <laughs> I <Steve>. appreciate it. <laughs> uh, I, I think that it took a long time for us as a society to get there. God, yes. Because the, there was always about consume, 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 consume. exactly. And now, I, in some ways, I feel like Consumption now is so easy. I mean, so much that I buy from Amazon, right? That is uh, two things. I think in one way it has lost its luster, and in the other way it has it has even gripped us maybe a little bit deeper. And but the the idea of should I take this trip or buy those shoes <laughs> or whatever it is that you're into, right? It's it's. And and it's it's gotten cheaper to travel, mm -hmm. um, cheaper to stay, like you know Airbnbs and you know this getaway. You know you can go to so many places in the U.S. for <clears throat> less than two hundred dollars round trip, and so all those things like shape you as a person so differently than whenever you just staying in one spot. Um, I think that probably the more talented bartenders that I know. Again, I'm focusing on, on our industry. I'm sure it's different. It's the same or different in others. But we expose ourselves to other um, um, regions and how things do are done in different places, different markets, that when we bring it back, it sort of has its own flavor, right? Because, like, I love to see uh, New York bartenders here and not picking on them. But the way that people drink in, in the Northeast is so different than us. Like, it's so much leaner. And it's, like, not as sweet. It's, like, really, you know, um, tr like, classic in, in, I guess, in a sense. Whenever you look at these recipes from, you know, the 100-year-old bar books, it's always, like, a 
part teaspoon of sugar and you know and here it's like it's a half ounce uh, and it's the three quarter ounce of the syrup and and so but we look at our palate and it's like pork and like it's, right. it's like barbecue and it's like sweet yeah. and it's fat and it's like yeah. right and so it's different and I love to see that you look at the San Francisco you know or you know that that west side and it's like oh it has to be fresh about that fresh ingredient and you know I haven't come across too many of the Chicago bartenders in here in Houston you know outside of Houston I have but it, it seems like to me I always think of the aviary so mm-hmm. more technique and, and very forward thinking and that could be completely wrong um, in, in some ways but that's kind of the way that I see the, the different markets um, and then like the guys I know from uh, Florida um, it's always you know fruity and, and, and right, fancy right. And, and bright and like right. let's put some yellow and some red and some, some <laughs> cocaine yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so it's fun so it's, a, it's a lot of fun and so I always totally think that, the, the, that whenever you're seeking those experiences, it's, it's so much easier to feel right about the right things. And what I mean by that is I, that's what I was thinking whenever you were talking about grand prize. And that we got a frozen machine. And like, you know, yeah, we, you know, I like cocktails, but I want to hang out in this type of bar. And, and so I think that is, we're at that point now to where there are programs going into places that you normally would not think. And I like that a lot because I like going to the places I'm comfortable with going to and being able to have a cocktail. And I'm not saying that cocktail bars are not places that I like going to. I love cocktail bars. I love the fancy side of things. Love it. You know, I'll wear a suit any day of the week, any time of day. Right. But at the same time, there there are times that I just want to see do just relax and just. You know, it's it's hot as fuck pretty already in Houston. It is, what, May <laughs> the 12th, uh, 14th, and it's just going to get hotter. And so you that's part of our thing, right? We dress down because you don't want your clothes sticking to you. And I, and I, and I, so I enjoy that a lot, the fact yeah, that there are places... My- yeah, you'll get my margarita when you try it from my cold dead hands. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, styles of drinking across yeah. the country. It's like, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to frozen margarita. It's going to have sugar in it. Anyway, go ahead. It's continue. Sugar. So, going back to, to those experiences, I think that, that it's, it's a lot of fun to, to watch that. And um, recently, when I was in Vegas, the downtown area was really fun for me because the concepts were very, very clear. So, and... and um, there were small shotgun type bars, at least the ones that I went to. And you, whatever you ask the bartender, they're like, sure. Negroni, mm-hmm. sure. Gin tonic, <laughs> sure. Like it, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't a thing to even, even, uh, even just pretend to like, oh yeah, I, I know what that is. Right, you right, know, right. we're not that kind of bar, but I can do it for you. It's like, no, yeah, sure. <laughs> and and I, I love that, that, that part of the growth of the industry I, is one of my favorites. So at this point, we've been talking a lot about the uh, old days in uh, Houston and Montrose and the inner loop. And it's really nice to connect with someone that remembers Montrose and uh, Houston in uh, the way that I do. So we talked a little bit also about where the uh, cocktail renaissance has taken us. And then next, we're going to be talking about, we we shifted, did a quick little shift to talk about his uh, new projects as well as uh, the culinary world um, and where, uh, where we think the, uh, the future of bars is going. By the way, I appreciate everyone sticking with uh, me on this. There are a lot of technical issues in this episode in particular. Uh, we forgot to turn off our phones, and uh, the, in the beginning I forgot to turn off the AC. You know, like I said before, this is a uh, work in progress, so thank you. What projects are you working on now? Or what can you tell us about? We're, do, we're doing a, a bar in Spring Branch, which is interesting because we don't is. normally do outside the loop. We do have a Sassafras on Pinemont, which is great. Um, great people out there. Uh, but besides that, we're interloop bar tours. Um, but yeah, Spring Branch, uh, 
uh, a business partner of mine that hasn't gone public yet. <laughs> I won't mention who it is. Uh, lives out there and found a space. This this little old bar that uh, needed a an occupant. And um, so really yeah, we're working on working on that. It's, it's really neat little spot. So it's tiny, and uh, but Spring Ranch is they're they're trying to get things going out there. Yeah. It's it's a neat neighborhood. You know, it's like tacos and Korean food. Beautiful thing. So is so it be is it gonna have food? No. Okay. So bar bar. Yeah. Okay. There's no kitchen. We will have you know. We got some ideas about uh, yeah, having food some trucks. Crock, and... Well, maybe like crock pots out there. Uh, you know, That'd be cool. certain days, not all the time. But don't get anybody's hopes up. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's it's a it's a spring branch, you know, little bar ass bar. So it's not uh, you know, maybe we should have a crock pot. Maybe we should have jello shots. I don't know. Evolving as we speak, <laughs> literally. Uh, so, anyway, that's that. That's one project. Okay, so uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, uh, I was going to say like, and I had a note on this, like the uh, the future of bars in Houston, and you know maybe internationally also. But uh, uh, you, you're said dive bar earlier and it's like yeah dive bar neighborhood bar bar ass bar whatever you want to call the what the world calls bars you know uh, the United States calls them dive bars but you know (laughs) the rest of the planet it's a bar it serves booze it's in the neighborhood it's convenient it's fun it's a bar but I don't have anything against the term dive bar anyway uh, neighborhood bar that's the future I think what uh I think, you know, we'll always have destination clubs and stuff and fun places and neighborhoods where you go to eat and drink and, and that, and that's great, and we need that, and we need public transportation to get there and, you know, more ride share. But um, the importance of the neighborhood bar, and it's always been super important. I mean, you know, it's what the, the original block in any city is like, Grocery store, church, bar, city hall, or you know whatever. Bank that, yeah. Bank, <laughs> bank. <laughs> uh, vape shop, whatever. <laughs> yeah, phone store. Um, anyway, my point is that you know, and a lot of you know, generally people have known this, but not having to, you don't have to leave your neighborhood, or you can have fun in your neighborhood. You know. Um, and here I'll just throw the example like uh, BLT Better Luck Tomorrow is just and they've gotten write-ups saying exactly this or not exactly this but almost this that you know that's this is the future it's like have your neighborhood bar you know (laughs) it's simple all you do is open the neighborhood bar and get a James Beard Award winner (laughs) 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 no but but just uh, you know making a quality spot you know, in the neighborhood and you know, not having to do uh, just that so many restaurants come and go because it's hard to keep up with every good chef that's going around. You know, I go to every restaurant when it opens. I try to, you know, and then yeah. I may not be back for a year and, you know, because I'm going to all the other new places and I think a lot of people are fickle that way and, um, I don't know, not getting the point across. Well, super credit. I'm gonna, just, just so the, I'm the importance in. of the neighborhood situation, and I think uh, you know, it's like making your bringing up your own neighborhood rather than aspiring to go to, you know, to yeah, go downtown or go to you know, yeah, go to Seattle and start your band or go to Manhattan to do a restaurant or Brooklyn. You know, it's like just make it in your own in space your own and uh, yeah, and that's what. Yeah, I think BLT is a great example of that. And I think, like, I haven't been yet. Oh, really? Yeah. It's uh, I don't get to the heights fun. too much other than to pick up cigars I, I, on 19th Street. I get that. <laughs> um, but the, uh, I'm, I'm going to add to that in saying that I, I've started to feel and understand, I guess, <clears throat> that sometimes it's better in neighborhood bar to have a good kitchen manager than it is a chef. With the internet and with, for instance, and just to mention one technique, sous vide, 
you can create some really, really good stuff. And you don't have to be an uber-talented chef. Nothing against an uber-talented chef. But those are sometimes very difficult concepts, especially for people, I think, right now, because what the chef wants to get across at times can be a little esoteric for the consumer. And for the adventurous foodie, it's fantastic. It's phenomenal. It's like this this experience, right, that is worthwhile. It's the reason you go out to certain places. But I think for, like, longevity... There's sometimes better to just have a really good burger <laughs> than it is to have, you know, I don't know, quail eggs in, right. uh, well, inside and a chicken, uh, <laughs> you know, roasted with a pig or whatever. <laughs> but I think the, the, that... manatee for your wrap of turkey and a manatee. And oh, that was good. Um, wow. I haven't had that yet. That was a joke. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, the, yes, and it needs to be both. You know, and that, that's that's what I want. I want I want chefs experimenting, but I want them to, you know, have their restaurant last. Also. Yeah, because, <laughs> because I feel those people they work in those kitchens, they go on to other, do other things. You need to sustain those restaurants so that the experimental chefs can teach the other guys, and they they, they go out and like so. If we lose those places, then, yeah, then we lose you know that sort of talent being trained. Or staying in Houston, yeah, like right? And always a problem, right? Um, and that's kind of the thing is afraid to uh, stay in Houston because it, it's sort of like that thing to where you have to go somewhere else to yeah. get tra- yeah, <laughs> to get trained. And so part of my neighborhood bar thing is that it's like not wanting to, not needing to leave. Anyway, go ahead. No, and oh, okay. yeah, that, that's that's my point is that whenever the 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 city has an incubation. Uh, uh, area or you know talent yep. right it it changes everything and again when it comes to the bar industry there are places that do that it comes to restaurant there are places that do that um, I love saw Chris Shepard last night I hadn't seen him in a while went to his new place just to get a drink they were already they were already closed so that was fine but I just bumped into him as he was leaving and Again, talking about people that have been the same since I met him, that guy, a lot of respect for him for the same oh, yeah. reason. He's always, he's always Chris yeah. Shepard <laughs> and all, all of who he is, right? He's, he hasn't wavered in the time that I've known him. No, he's fantastic. He's so good for the city, too. It's like, just, you know, I'm like, exactly. Oh, you need to, uh, let's see, Houston, you need to, uh, okay, here, look, just talk to this guy. Like it's golden, yeah. Chris is you know super talented, but also just yeah very uh, very Houston to me, and, and yeah important in a, in a really fun way. Yeah. I think I think if I think of anyone that in the restaurant industry that is good for Houston in that sense, definitely him. So I briefly worked at Catalan when he was at Catalan, mm-hmm. and I just remember how generous he was in the way that he trained his staff. And possibly it's because maybe the way he was trained at Brenner's mm-hmm. or Brennan's. Brennan's. And again, when I think of him, you know, that's the way I, I always think of him as showing his staff, no, no, you know, you cut like this or you set it up this way or you do it this way. So not just for his food to come out, but there's a generosity in the way that you can teach people to where it's like wherever you go, you're going to know how to do certain things the right way. Um, and that's that incubation sort of mm-hmm. mentality that I think the city yeah, well, really he's, needs. He's trained a lot of good dudes, and by dudes I mean people, humans, males and females. Uh, and yeah, because he's, I mean, yeah, not incubates. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it, it, it folds into itself because yeah, people want to work with him. And therefore, the you know creative people who you know young and need direction, whatever, yeah, go want to work in his kitchens because they know that they'll learn that, and so it makes it even better. Steamrolls it, it snowballs. That was the term I was looking for. Um, yeah, and that's why people want to get in his kitchens, and then they end up you know doing their own thing. That's so, great. and they they tend to stay in Houston also. Just, again, just makes the whole damn city better. And we've seen that in the last you know, ten years, maybe longer, maybe less. But uh, 
yeah, where people want to stay and you know, has a good reputation. I'm down with that. I used to love that people hated Houston. <laughs> really? Yeah. You know, I was like, yep, stay away. <laughs> take my uh, you know, $400 rent. And <laughs> yeah. You know, it's <laughs> funny because... Losing me, me to my pint <laughs> at, at Red Years or whatever, you know, like... So, but now it's like, yeah, the city's grown up with me now that I want, you know, like, the, uh, yeah, I want the city to have a good reputation. People traveling here to go, oh my goodness, that was terrific. Yeah. Yeah. yeah downtown area is, is one of those so, places. Yeah. Houston's popular now for better or for worse, mostly for better. Yeah. But yeah. I think that's that, changing. Yeah. It is a lot. And, and those projects that are happening in downtown, I think are very interesting with all the high rises, right? You got that 300 block that's got all those bars there. <clears throat> They're all grown up bars, <laughs> you know, because you could get a good cocktail in just about every single one of them. Um, then you have like Conservatory and then Brave that is coming uh, up. And uh, I just, and it, all of it within three blocks. So between the 500 and mm-hmm. 300 block. Um, and I think that all of that makes the city more dense, right? So it, it brings in people that are used to that. Because I know whenever I've worked downtown, it, people from other cities come and like, what is up with Houston being like so yeah. spread out? Like the, you can't, like I have to, if I want a good steakhouse, I have to go out there. If I want a good bar, I have to go over here. If I want a good this, like it, they just felt. And now we're starting to get those neighborhoods, that consolidation of uh, talent. Right, but I think also was at some point there was a gap <laughs> between the places that wanted to open with talent and how much talent there was. So like right. anybody that put six months in the cocktail bar were like, yeah, I can run my own program, <laughs> and 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 that those some of those failed, right, and it didn't come across the way that it was supposed to, which again takes a certain level of courage to do that kind of stuff and a little bit of stupidity. <laughs> but I think that now there's been so much that has gone around that there is a fair amount of talent uh, in the city. But at the same time, I feel like there's a shortage of staff for the industry as a whole. There is. There's a shortage. But uh, but on the density thing, yeah, it was... Um, and on, you know, I want Houston to have a good reputation, you know, the city that I'm proud of, and uh, a little bit of, you know, chip on the shoulder. It's like, yeah, damn it, we're, we are good, by the way. And... Uh, that uh, yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing not to have a downtown, and yeah, and that, that people you know I, I want people traveling here to to leave, you know, knowing that there's you know cool stuff here, and I've you know taken that on you know <laughs> when I meet people around the country and like you know, come by we'll show you check it out, and it's you know it's gotten you know gotten some of its due you know on the, in the national media. Yeah, I, whenever in other cities, but it's, it's um, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, whenever I travel, I, I do the same. <clears throat> I tell them you got to go through downtown, three hundred block. Right. If you're uh, Montrose, like, you know, here's the list. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and 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 people always find it surprising. It's like really Houston, and, and but now it's getting to the point where you're right. I'm starting to hear it's like oh, I, know, I, I hear know. you guys are doing this and that, and I'm like that is. As, as someone has been in Houston for so long, that is a bit of a shock. I know, me too. I'm, I'm not sure how to react to that because I'm, I'm used to saying, like, wait, but. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, goodness. You just said. Uh, that's a compliment? <laughs> wait. Thanks? <laughs> yeah. Question mark. And then you get back and it's like, hey, guys, you got to make sure we get this right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate you coming by and um, having this conversation with me. There is. Uh, I think a need to for all of us to connect um, in this kind of way because there I think there's a lot of the disconnect between what owner does, what a bartender does, what a beer rep does, what a liquor rep does, what a brand ambassador does. You know how people think of the consumer, how the consumer thinks of us. You know uh, where we are, how we got here, because. I think that you know when 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 information gets out for the first time, usually you try to put it out as uh, easy to consume as possible, which means you're oversimplifying things. Mm-hmm. 
And um, I think that a lot of times that sort of is the impression, the first impression that people get, and, and a lot of times that's the only impression. And so I think that this industry has people that are very talented, very interesting, very, very interesting. And uh, that's one of the things that I want to show in this. And you have some very interesting bars here in Houston, um, very cool, very cultural. Um, and so I appreciate you taking the time uh, no, to man, talk to me. Too. What you're doing is great. This is really neat. Cool. And I like to talk. So. <laughs> <laughs> then we're going to do this again. All right. All right. Or we'll do it without a microphone. Over yeah, absolutely. <laughs> thanks, man. All right. Thanks. So that was it. That was my interview with uh, Brad Moore. I uh, hope that you enjoyed it. I uh, had a really good time talking to him. And um, as always, keep the conversation going.